0: This evening, we are going to start a new series. Uh, It's a new series that you could call uh, Kingdom Living, uh, or you might like to call uh, Marks of a Christian, or you might call uh, The People Jesus is Making. Uh, It's a series of about seven weeks, and we'll be looking at a number of key characteristics and behaviors. Uh, that should exist in every follower of Jesus. And this week, we're thinking about being servant-hearted. So that's the topic for tonight. Uh, Just a little bit uh, about the reason for why we're doing a series like this. Uh, We may be on lockdown, but our discipleship is not on hold. So even while we're in our homes, we're still followers of Jesus. Uh, We're still led by the Spirit and we're still learning and growing uh, and worshipping God together. And so we want to grow in our discipleship to Jesus even now in this season. Um, In terms of the order of topics, you know, why we're starting out uh, with servant-hearted, there's no logical order to the way we're covering the topics. Uh, That's just to say we haven't kind of chosen servant-hearted first because it's the most important or because it comes uh, logically before any other uh, Christian Mark, as it were, uh, it's just the way that the series is is um, is starting. Now, just uh, I want to make a note about this series um, from some words that Jesus says at the end of uh, Matthew's Gospel in chapter twenty-eight. He's commissioning the apostles, and he says to them uh, to go, therefore, uh, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son. And of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And I just want to note that little phrase he has there, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And that's part of the uh, biblical rationale behind this series as well. We want to see uh, what kind of people Jesus is calling us to be, and we want to come away from the series observing what he is teaching us and so each week we'll see some sort of behavior or attitude uh, that Jesus is calling us to live out and uh, that's how the series will run and the reason I bring this up at the beginning um, of this series is because there is a danger here and the danger is that we can forget the why of God's commands. We want to know the what That is, we should uh, be concerned about how we should live our lives, but we also really want to care about the why. And we can't have one without the other. And in fact, it's the why that drives the what. And so each week we will be looking at um, different behaviours or attitudes that Jesus is calling us to, ways of living. Uh, But we'll also be looking at why he's calling us to live that way what motivations he's giving us uh, for the lives that we live as Christians. Okay, so that's just by way of introduction to this uh, new series that we're starting. Uh, We're going to be doing it for seven weeks. We're going to be growing in our discipleship. We're thinking about marks of a Christian, and we're thinking about the what and the why. That's where we're going. So, as I said already tonight, we're going to be thinking about being servant-hearted, And I'm just going to uh, read a little portion from Romans chapter 14 and then pray. Paul says in Romans chapter 14, uh, verse 7 and 8, For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. Let's pray for God's help. Father in heaven, we give you thanks for this time together. Thank you uh, once again for the technology and for the ability to um, see each other's faces still. Lord, I pray that by the power of your spirit, you would help me to serve your people now in a way that's pleasing to you. And we pray together, Lord, that you would make the eyes of our hearts open that you would teach us things, that you would correct us, train us, shape us, uh, that you would mould us, that you would be at work in our hearts. We pray that we would walk away more servant-hearted, more like you, Jesus, and for the right reasons. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so to begin with, (coughs) I will just make... Uh, the case that the Bible says that as Christians we are servants and that we are called to serve. So just making that case, uh, first I'll go to Romans chapter 14 uh, and in verse uh, 4 there Paul says, Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls. And in that context, Paul's talking to uh, believers in Rome who were squabbling over whether or not they should um, uh, eat meat that was uh, sacrificed to idols. And so uh, Paul is saying to, the, saying to them, you shouldn't be passing judgment on one another about whether or not you do or you don't eat because each of you is the servant of the Lord Jesus. And so who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? The point here is he's 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 causing the church in Rome to see that all of them are servants of the Lord Jesus. That's a clear way uh, in the Bible that we can see that we are to re- think of ourselves ourselves. Uh, as servants. Another way we can see this is uh, through the way Paul calls us to imitate him. So for example, uh, Paul introduces his letters to Romans, uh, to the Philippians uh, and to Titus by calling himself a servant. Paul, uh, a servant of God, a servant of Christ, Christ Jesus. Another way we see this uh, is in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4 where he's talking about himself and Apollos and other preachers of the gospel and he says this is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God or finally I'll just give one more example from Paul Uh, he's uh, in again in 1 Corinthians chapters um, 8 to 11 he's talking there about uh, this issue again of whether or not you should um, eat meat uh, that's been sacrificed to idols and then as he kind of sums up his argument he says to them, give give no offense to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God in whether or not you eat or don't eat meat. Just, and then listen to what he says then. He says, just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many, that they may be saved. He's saying his whole drive is to serve other people so that they can be saved, and then he says, "Be imitators of me, as I am of Christ." And so Paul calls us to, Paul calls us apost, um, servants. He says that he's a servant, and he says he's getting his cues from the Lord Jesus. And so, as followers of Jesus, we are imitating Jesus who said, even the Son of Man, referring to himself, came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus himself is the ultimate servant. I'll just read one verse from uh, Philippians, which captures uh, the servanthood of Jesus. It's Philippians chapter 2 and verses uh, 5 to 8. And Paul, again, is encouraging the church to be thinking of other people, being outward in their thinking. And he says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus himself, from the highest of heights, takes on the form of a servant and is obedient as a servant, even to the point of death. The great apostle Paul and the Lord Jesus consider themselves and lived as servants. What would make us think, as followers of the Lord Jesus, that we would not be servants as well? that our lives should not be marked by service, by being outwardly oriented and serving others. So the Bible calls us servants. Now, let's just uh, spend a little bit of time clarifying what true Christian service is, what it looks like. First thing to say is that Christian serving has two directions. It's got two directions. And here's what I mean. We serve vertically the Lord Jesus, and we serve horizontally other people. Why does that matter? And why is it worth bringing out that distinction? It matters because our service and the danger, and what we don't want to do is we don't want to walk away and just think to ourselves, oh, yes. Serving, what a great philosophy. What a wonderful ideal that we should be serving people. No, uh, we actually serve the real and living Lord Jesus. So Paul says in Romans chapter 12 verse 11, Do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. So we have that vertical dimension. Our service is first and foremost to the Lord. But then there's a horizontal level where we serve people. So thinking about Romans chapter 14 again, which I've mentioned a couple of times already, (coughs) he's saying in that chapter that you should uh, not pass judgment on the servant of another. And then he says, what you should do is you should actually think about the other person and think about how you're not going to put any offense, any stumbling block in their way. And then he says, And whoever serves Christ in this way is acceptable to God. So Paul's saying in Romans chapter 14 that the way to serve Christ is by serving his people. We are servants of the Lord first, and then we're servants of people. And the reason it matters is because the first uh, direction is, gives us the strength and provides us with the correct reason for our serving. And the second direction shows that the first is real. So this is what Jesus has called us to be, people who serve him and serve others. What a great vision this is for his people. We'll come back to that uh, in a little bit, but now I just want to bring out uh, the second thing about Christian serving serving has two directions, but serving also has two dimensions, two aspects to it. The first thinking of two aspects of serving now is an other orientedness, and the reason I mention that is because Christian serving uh, is about our posture this is this first dimension is about our heart it 's about what we 're really aiming for we 're not just doing doing, doing, doing for the sake of being active. It's that our hearts and our whole approach, our whole, um, the intent of, of our lives is to, is to serve other people. It's outward looking. So, uh, Romans chapter 15, um, just a little bit further down in Paul's same, um, same argument, the same portion there that he's been talking about in chapter 14. He says to them, let, each of us please his neighbour for his good to build him up. You see that? Let each of us please his neighbour for his good to build him up. First dimension of uh, Christian serving is that it's concerned with the other person and with what's going to build them up. It's the same thing that Paul was talking about in, in 1 Corinthians where he says he does everything for the sake of other people, so that they may be saved. He's thinking about what is best for them. That's where his focus is. That's where he's oriented towards. And it's always driven by Jesus. So even here in Romans chapter 15, Paul can't help himself and says, for Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. So the Lord Jesus himself is always, outwardly oriented. The second aspect is effort. And it's important to recognize this because it helps us to recognize that um, Christian service involves work. It involves effort. It involves sacrifice. It involves cost. Uh, It involves um, using our energy for others. It's not just that we have a good will, a good wish and a desire for other people uh, to be built up and for them to know Christ. It's that we actually get off the sofa and we do something. It's it's work. Now, it might be helpful here just to think about um, the Lord Jesus himself in Romans, uh, sorry, in John chapter 13. You think of him uh, at the dinner table there with the uh, disciples as he knows he's going to go to the cross soon. Uh, and he gets down from the table and takes off his, um, takes off his robe so that he can uh, wash their feet. I just think there's nothing romantic about that moment uh, from, from a, a purely worldly point of view. He, he's literally down there with the feet. You've got to go and get the water. You've got to go to the feet. You've got to actually wash the feet. Uh, If he's just washing the apostles' feet, is he washing 12 feet? Uh, He's got work to do. And it's probably stinky. Feet are probably not just not stinky or not kind of gross uh, just because it's in the Bible. Um, I think that that um, part of Jesus' life illustrates well that, yeah, it was... It was work. He, he, he had to wash, he, he washed their feet. It took time. It was effort. Uh, and that's to say nothing of the cross, of carrying the cross, of uh, giving himself over to that pain uh, that was involved in bearing our sins. I think it's important to uh, remember both of these uh, aspects of Christian serving, because the first aspect, other-orientedness, reminds us that our hearts matter. It matters what our intention is uh, in our serving, and it matters uh, what our goal is. We're really serving, not just so that we can tick a box and say uh, we've done our serving, but it's because we're thinking of the other people. And the second is so that we recognize and remember um, that if we're going to be servant-hearted people, it's going to uh, take effort it's going to cost us uh, work just on this uh, before we before we move forward just even here on these two dimensions we can actually sharpen the focus if we think about the opposite of these two the opposite of other bit be- of being other oriented and putting in effort is to be self-oriented and lazy isn't it and when we put it like that I find that it's really quite pointed it feels for me when I say it, oh, I don't want to be, I don't want that to be the description of me. But I think that's where we're looking at, aren't we? We're either going to be outward oriented or we're going to be self oriented. We're going to put in effort or we're going to be lazy. So, Christians are called to serve. There's two directions, and there's two dimensions. We want to be servant hearted people. Someone at this point might say, what about sonship? I thought we've called to be sons. We've called to be sons and daughters of our Heavenly Father. We've called to be children, not slaves, not servants, not people who are striving. And I think uh, the reason I bring it up is because I've heard these two pitted pitted against each other before. We're sons, we're not servants. I think in reality, this is actually a false dichotomy. I think the the truth is that we don't have to choose between one or the other, and really what's happening is that we've got different imagery here uh, to help us describe uh, the different different aspects of our relationship with God. We've already seen uh, that Scripture is clear. Uh, God is our Father, but Jesus is our Lord, and lords have servants. In fact, just thinking about Jesus himself, Jesus, who is the Son served his father better than any the two are not opposed to each other Uh, we are called to be we are sons and faithful sons actually serve their father okay so that's uh what we're called to to be servants as followers of the lord jesus We might ask at this point, what stops us from being servant-hearted? What stops us uh, from being servants in the way that we ought to be? Well, it could be uh, straight laziness and selfishness. Uh, And perhaps you're listening to this now and you're thinking, uh, you you hear those words and you're thinking straight away, oh, actually, yes, that's what it is. It might be that you need to repent of that. You need to um, ask God for forgiveness and you need to say, Lord, I've been selfish and I've been lazy. I pray you'd forgive me and I pray that you'd help me to uh, be outward oriented and to put in effort for the sake of others and for the sake of your name. It could also be that we have a wrong view of ourselves. We might think of ourselves and think of our time. Uh, think that, sorry, think that our time and energy is something that we own. And it's a kind of a case of uh, service being giving part of our own time away. So we might not be servant-hearted because we don't see that our lives are not our own. This is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. He says, you are not your own. For you were bought with a price. In that chapter, he's talking about being sexually pure, but the principle is the same. He's telling them about how to conduct their bodies. But the principle is still the same. We we belong to the Lord. It's the verse that I read out at the beginning of our, our time together. Whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. And that's how we need to think of ourselves. We need to have a radical reorienting of how we view our own lives. And see that we are not our own. We belong to the Lord. In fact, we can say as Christians that we are twice owned by the Lord. We were created by Him and we belonged to Him completely. What we did with the first gift was we, we rebelled, we threw off His rule, we spoilt all that we had. But in His grace and His love and His mercy, He bought back us sinners. And so now we belong to him as his redeemed. We're twice owned by God. We really are not our own. And our time and our money and our energy is not our own. We are servants of Jesus. And so the real question is, and the real way we need to think about ourselves is, not if we are servants, or what we should do with our time and our lives, but whether we will be faithful servants or whether we will be selfish and lazy servants. We already belong to Jesus, and all of our time and all of our lives belongs to him. <clears throat> now, before we start thinking that this is a bad deal, because we, have the ten- we can do that. We've got hearts that are, can be twisted, and can even twist something like this into thinking, oh, this is not a very good deal. We must remember that everybody is already a servant of something no one is a master of their own ship nobody is completely free so there are loads of parts of the bible that talk about this i'll just mention a few colossians chapter 1 verse 13 says talking about talking to christians talking about what god has done for us he says he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. We were before Christ, or if you are now not following Christ, you are in the domain of darkness. Uh, The Apostle John uh, speaks of the same reality when he says in in 1 John 5 verse 19, the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Paul speaks of the same reality again in Ephesians 2 verses 1 to 3. He says that, Uh, We all uh, used to walk in, in our sins. We followed, at that time, he says, the prince of the power of the air. And he says that we all once lived like that. The truth is that there are just two options. Every action is either in obedience to Christ or it's in obedience to sin. The idea that we are free is simply wrong. Job, popularity, comfort, pleasure, money, family, health, looks, etc, etc. We can be slaves of all these things and more. And when we put it like this we can see, hold on a second, even here my heart is tricking me because The truth is that being a servant of Jesus is actually a joy. All of these other things, including ourselves, will let us down at some point in some way or another, whether now or in eternity. Something will be robbed of us now or death will eventually rob us all. But Jesus is a good master. Jesus is a master who actually served you. He's a a master who served me. Jesus Jesus is a master who gave up his life in love for you. Jesus is a master not only who loves you and seeks your good, but he's a master who can actually make your good come to pass. His almighty love demonstrates at the cross that he is for you and his omnipotent power proves that he can keep his promises. He has been raised from the dead He lives eternally and he is unstoppable. This is a good master that we get to serve. Now, lastly, just thinking again a bit further about what stops us from being servant-hearted. It might be that we don't see... That in serving, in being servants, there is a different kind of glory. There's a glory in being servant-hearted. So, thinking about Mark chapter 10, Jesus is talking to the disciples, they're squabbling about who's the greatest. And Jesus actually says, whoever wants to be great among you must become the servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all the chapter that little section of mark is about that it's partly about leadership that's true but it's also about greatness it's about what is really great and jesus sets himself in that context into that context into that debate about who is the greatest and says the son of man didn't come to be served but to serve There is a type of glory, a type of beauty in Christian servanthood, and it's not a worldly glory like the other glories that we see. It's a heavenly glory. So Solomon's temple had a glory to it. It was beautiful to behold. It was an outward glory. But Jesus didn't have less glory even though he came as a humble servant. In fact, he had more. And we see glimpses of this When we see strength used in the service for others. We can probably think of where we've seen that, where we've seen somebody who had the power and they've stooped low to serve somebody else. And we've probably seen the converse as well, where we've seen strength used just for the self and we think, that's actually ugly, isn't it? Strength just used for the self is actually ugly. But strength used in service of others has got a beauty to it. And that's because it echoes the service of Jesus. So, I hope that this has drawn us up to see Jesus as our servant king, uh, to long to live for him. Um, and I'll just mention these uh last couple of thoughts here from Galatians uh, because there Paul says that we've actually been freed from the law in order that we may use our freedom to serve and the thing is we'll never know this kind of motivation unless we've first been served by Jesus ourselves Uh, we need him to serve us by receiving the gift of his death and resurrection for our sins so that we can from that place of being served therefore give our lives freely to others. We can see that he has already purchased for us an inheritance in heaven where, uh, so that we don't have to strive uh, to serve ourselves and get everything we need in this present life here on earth. We see that there is a, a rest laid up for us in heaven uh, and now is a time for work. And so once we've seen that love and the gift that Jesus has given to us, From there, we can serve him as faithful servants. What does this look like for us? uh, Just as we come to a close now that we're cooped up in our houses, because you might be thinking, that's all good and well. Let's be servant hearted. Let me out of my house so that I can do it. Right. That was how I was thinking about it at first. How do you how do you apply this in lockdown time? And then I thought, actually, for many people, lockdown time is serving. That's what's going on now. Uh, there, for many of us, and you see people are thinking, "Oh, I'm, I should be fine. I think I'll probably be all right with this virus. I'm kind of young, fit, nothing wrong with me, etc." Get it, and and move on. But actually, Christians, I think we should have been in our zone when we got to this. We should be like, "Yeah, we are going to serve others." That's what we're going to do. If we're going to do 12 weeks in our houses so that we can save other people, we can think about their good, about how to, um, uh, so that they could perhaps be saved. Maybe they haven't even heard of Christ yet. The last thing we want to do is contribute and make it harder, make it more likely uh, that the COVID-19 might take their lives. So we will put ourselves out. We will orient ourselves around other people and say, if that's what it means to help other people, to save other people's lives, then we will be servant-hearted and we will live in our houses for 12 weeks. That's That's a mindset that we can take on as Christians to help us and not only to help us, but to have the right aspect, the right thinking in this. Have the mindset that was in Christ who didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, but humbled himself by taking the form of a servant and gave up his life even to the point of death. That's one way that it could cash out in this season, but maybe COVID restrictions will be lifted, or maybe they won't. And these are some these are some other ways. Maybe you're in a home uh, and you're sharing your accommodation with other people. I remember what this was like, and I remember the squabbles over the dishes. Maybe that's one point. Maybe you could be the person who um, who does the dishes, who who washes more dishes than you use. Maybe uh, you're the person who can do more hoovering than is your turn to do the hoovering. Maybe you can be the person who cleans the toilet and the bathroom uh, more than your fair share of what cleaning the toilet and the bathroom is. What if we were people who weren't just doing the minimum, but people who were being servants of Christ and serving others? Uh, wouldn't that be a good witness if we we're living with non-believers? That there's something about these people, how we, what is going on with these people they're servant-hearted. Maybe it's in our marriages. <clears throat> what would your spouse like? Have you have you thought about how you could serve your spouse during this time? Maybe it's uh, putting in that extra effort, that hard work, that cost that we've spoken about, so that your spouse could have some time out. And if I can be so bold, uh, I'm talking to... Uh, 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 this is how I'm going to roll. I'm going to say, I'm going to talk to you uh, men, husbands, <laughs> and say, uh, you do it first. <laughs> you do it first and you do it more times than you think you should have done or ought to have done or what your fair share would have been. Uh, and you uh, you lead the way and you model what this looks like uh, to give your spouse time out. And then I'll slap myself over the back of the head and say, you do that as well, Dave. Maybe it's with the kids. Maybe it's in this season... Um, uh, having some focused time with them, being with them, serving them, doing what they like to do, not necessarily what you would uh, like to do, uh, but giving yourself, giving your time and putting that effort in to do things with your children. Yeah, it might be hard. It was hard for Jesus to carry the cross. It was hard for Jesus to give up his life and get nailed to a pole. That's what we're called to do, to give up our lives and to follow our servant king. Or maybe it's work and it's just you're, you've, you're now working from home and it's being faithful even while you're at home. It's being faithful with your job even while nobody can see you. Why not come out the back of it or even uh, as when, you, um, when you go back to work, being an employee that is marked by uh, something different about your life so that people say, what is it about this, this person? they're a Christian. They're a Christian. They serve. They're outwardly oriented. They're hard working. They are different to other people in how they serve. I'm going to leave us with this verse from 1 Peter chapter 4. He says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen.